Hey there, my name is James Rath. I'm a legally blind filmmaker and welcome to the See Different Show. On this podcast, I like to chat with innovators and visionaries who work within fields of technology, business, and entertainment. We like to talk about their work and process and advocacy for accessibility. Before I introduce this episode's guest, I just want to say thank you. We had an amazing response to the first episode with Lachi, who is a recording artist that's been nominated and won numerous awards. She's also a big advocate to make the music industry more accessible for both listeners and artists alike. I also introduced C Different Code to my YouTube audience in a recent video, and just thank you for the support there. Thank you for coming over and checking out the show, but also the store. The C Different store had an amazing launch and went really strong for this first month, so thank you so much. Once again, welcome. This is the second episode of the C Different Show, and in this episode, I sat down with Roy Samuelson remotely. With decades of voiceover credits, Roy entered audio description narration with passion and curiosity. Now with over a thousand audio description narrations on feature films and television series, he connects blind and low vision professionals, audio description audiences, and the entertainment industry through multiple efforts. Roy Samuelson is a, oh my gosh, I, I, like a legend in his industry. He, he's, he's a voice actor. He's a narrator. One heck of a voice, I can tell you that. I've heard his voice before I even met him. And this was because I went to the movies and I wanted to watch a movie. I'm not going to say which movie. I'll let people maybe try and connect the voice, but because there's several movies, you have over a thousand titles in your, in your resume. Is that right? Yeah. For the audio description narration. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So I've heard your voice. Thanks to going to the movies, trying to see something in a way to make it accessible for me, someone who is legally blind. And you helped connect the visuals of that film for me to have the same experience as my friends who were watching the film. And so like, I've always had such an appreciation for the talent, for the artists behind making cinema, movies, or TV shows accessible for blind, low-vision audiences. Especially when I discovered audio descriptions only a couple years ago. Hmm. Could you tell me what exactly is an audio description for anyone unfamiliar? Oh, yeah, sure. There's a, there's a bunch of people that are involved in it, but I think I can break it down pretty simply. Like, in the world of audio description, it used to be called video description or descriptive video or descriptive narration. A describer who might be the writer or the narrator, or maybe it's both the writer and the narrator, or maybe it's the company, but not the production company, nor the distributor, but a special other company gives the creation of a split track or a, a mixed track of a narrator, if the film or TV show even has it which is depending on the distribution channel, like streaming, theatrical, broadcast, physical, like Blu-ray or DVD or downloadable to your iTunes or Google Play or even YouTube or with any of these, each of has offering levels of access to the audio description, either on an app or a TV or a cable box or a Chrome browser with a special plugin or maybe YouTube like this, which is maybe a separate YouTube video with audio description, but maybe the audio description is separately downloadable that syncs up so you can listen to a narrator or a synth voice so it sounds like a conversational robot or maybe it's a narrator that sounds like a synth voice, but you don't know if the audio description is there until you hear it, which could be a few minutes into the show, so you wait and wait and wait and hope and then 
you don't hear it, so you have to decide either to stop and complain or just put up with it. But if you do decide to complain, who do you complain to? Is it the local broadcast affiliate or the movie theater manager who's dealing with Karen's complaint about the unpopped popcorn kernel? Or do you contact one of the 47 streaming services by email, fax, Facebook, message, tweet, by phone. But to find that phone, do you have to hunt down a number? And once you find that number, go through a press 1, press 3. Sorry, your call cannot be completed as dialed. Or try a different number, and that's the main line. Or maybe it's another press 4, press 0. Oh, good, a real person. And it goes something like this. You say, yeah, my speakers are working. No, audio description is not closed captioning. Sure, I'll hold. Or better to go through an accessibility web link buried so deep that it feels like you don't want to be talked to. And then even when the audio description is there and it's bad, what does that even mean? Is it showing that the writing is things that the visuals doesn't have? Does the narrator of a suspenseful movie talk to you like you're a baby toddler? Does a kid's show have an uninterested adult narrating who sounds as tasteless as cereal too long in the milk? Or is it just that aforementioned synth voice like my friend Melody calls a puppet or even kind of creepy like a horror monster made to describe the lighthearted romance? romance comedy film to you and who chose that voice and why does that voice get in the way of your experience and do you have to keep fiddling with the volume up and down and down and down and down and up to try to hear it depending on what's going on in the background or maybe the production audio ducks out of the way so you can hear the narrator but all the other audio disappears and it's jarring and it gets in the way of the story and does this work that is created by blind people actually include blind people in the process maybe i think that answers your question does it it's amazing. Is it a little too much? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but these are like the things that happen. It's like yeah. all these conversations that we're having about audio description, like it's so involved and there's so many different roles. The people that are involved in it from the writers who take there, it's an adapt adaptation. Audio description is a whole new script that's written for me. I don't write the scripts. And that's where it's a little different than closed captioning. It's like, the closed captioning is a transcription. It's literally word for word what's what's being heard or said. And with audio description, it's, you know, how do you choose those visuals? How do you choose which is the most important? I f- I'm fascinated by writers of audio description. So audio des- descriptions are pretty much what's connecting me as the audience. Mm. And you're delivering this script to me that is essentially a script that is helping to fill in the visual elements of a film, TV, something of a visual medium. Mm. So as a voice actor, where is your level of input for how the quality of these descriptions turns out to be? That's a great question, James. I think about quality a lot, and it's... I think each role has its own contribution to quality. Mine, I think, is really narrowed in when I'm doing an audio description script, when I'm reading it. It's already written when it's put in front of me, so I'm reading from a script. That that script is something that I want to make sure that it's brought to life so that you, when you're watching it with your friends, you can be in that story and fully immersed in it and not paying attention to me. That's my goal. If I'm getting in the way and it's, it's distracting you, if you're like, oh, wow, this is a great narrator's voice, while you're watching the show, then I didn't serve the story. If you're like, oh my gosh, did you see that when that happened? Oh, that was so funny when she said that. That's engagement, that's connection. And I think that the focus of parody to sighted audiences experience is something to really focus on. So my contribution is taking the the skills I have as a voice talent, making sure that I'm kind of contributing to the story in a way that doesn't get in the way of the story. I don't want to step on the story. 
And a lot of that has to do with timing. Some of it has to do with, some people call it inflection. Sometimes it's intention. If there's a sad scene on, on a, a film and it's a really powerful moment, that I'm not going to say it with a smile on my voice. Or if there's a really funny scene, I'm not just going to sound like I just am about to fall asleep. Thomas Reed, Read My mm. Mind, mm -hmm. right? One of the things that I listened to him with his podcast, he, he talked about going to see Black Panther. Mm. And Black Panther was this hyped up film for a community, for a culture. And the narration was done... I think he said it was a Scottish or a, it was like a middle-aged white man with a, some type of European accent. And it just took him out of the experience, hmm. understandably enough. Yeah. And that didn't serve the story for the audience. So I understand what you mean when you're talking about like how important it is for the, the narrator, the voice actor to really engage the audience member. Hmm. So when did you first learn about audio descriptions? And with that, mm -hmm. how did you perform your first audio track? Oh, great question. And just to contribute what Thomas Reed is talking about, that's, that's a casting choice that, you know, of those projects that I work on or anyone works on, it's, that's a decision that's being made. Who chose my voice? Who chose someone else's voice? That, you know, there's some th there's sometimes where uh, a female voice is going to be so much better for a predominantly male told story, specifically in documentaries, so that she can cut through in a way that doesn't distract from the audience. I, I loved how you said that. That you know, with uh, with Thomas Reed's experience, that that is that's a, an integral part of the whole thing. And there's you know, there's directors, there's engineers, there's placement, there's the mix, all these quality control aspects beyond that. And you know, we could talk about that. But my first experience with audio description was a was a film where, like most jobs that I do, I went into a studio at the time, and it was a little booth that was maybe about four feet by four feet with a microphone, and I had uh, headset cans so that the audio wouldn't bleed through the mic and there was a, a music stand where I could put a script and then there was a, a television uh, screen where I could watch what was happening I want to put a little asterisk in here that since the pandemic a lot of the talented people both blind and sighted do need all those elements that it can be something as simple as a just a microphone and a, a screen reader. The access of the voice talents is so much more prevalent now, which is great. So this is just like a slice of life experience from history, like way back. But it was cool because I remember it was an audition that I did for audio description. And afterward, I was charged up, not because I wanted the job, I did, but also because of the experience. James, this was like the first time where all these different elements of voiceover came together in one kind of area. So it was the, for me, the, the timing, being able to, to jump in and jump out in between lines of dialogue and, and follow along and, and pay attention to those audio cues of when that had to happen. Listening to the music and being influenced by that in the, in the intentions that I brought. Being able to 
kind of stay out of the way of the story. The the spotlight is really not Roy the performer, but the story that's being told and how I can support that. Like each of these elements are all part of voiceover. And so I I got no sleep that night because I was so thrilled. And it's just, gosh, this is so much, so much joy from a performance and technical side. I think after doing audio description for a few years, I found the, the practical side when I started connecting with audiences who use audio description, specifically one of my friends who we had seen a, a series together. He was sighted at the time. And when season two came out, he was uh, totally blind. And in the midst of our conversation, there were no speed bumps. Like we were on the freeway talking about the funny scenes and how funny it was that this happened. And then, oh my gosh, can you believe that that character did that? There was no obstacle to the conversation because he had used audio description. And I remember calling the, the writer and the narrator of that show in tears because I had a connection with him that I hadn't thought that I could have. And that's the click for me. I love that. That's amazing. That's quite an impact to have. What was the narrator's response? How did that make them feel to get that call? first thing was surprise. At the time, no one was really talking about it. So the experience for, now I can't speak to the writers, I'd imagine it'd be similar, but for voice talents, you know, they'd get a phone call and they'd go into a studio, they'd get a script, they'd record the script, you know, voice it, and then they'd go home and then they'd do another job. That there was a very, very much a disconnect from you know, it was a, we're cogs in a wheel. And, you know, I stay in my, I, I stay in my lane and I respect that that's where it is. But being able to see how all those different cogs of audio description come together and form this, um, this being, this, this connection that allows for it. So their response was surprise. What? There's this, like I said, a disconnect. You mean somebody actually heard it? There was a delight. There was a, a huge gratitude to be acknowledged and to to know the that her impact on this on this show that she had written a script for that she had read out loud a script that was written for her was was positive and I, you know I, I feel like I had a similar situation with the writer where this writer she works so hard and so dedicated and really cares deeply about the work that she's doing but it's only been focused on the work that by getting that kind of feedback, it was so incredibly welcomed. And there was a there was a genuine thank you that I could pass back to the people that are, are listening to these shows. And that kind of connection really solidified for me the, the value of of more of these kinds of interactions. Can you walk me through the process of creating an audio description for film or television episode? Sure. There's there's an ideal way, and there's a, there's a way that maybe kind of is happening here, and I'll, I'll kind of blend the two. The, in, a, in a dream scenario, the audio description team is involved from pre-production. I remember Thomas Reed just spoke recently about this, that get the, the audio description team involved, even in production or post-production. In most cases, the, uh, the final product, let's, let's just call it a film. The film's complete, and it gets handed off to an audio description team. From that point, the audio description team assigns a writer, or, or many writers, to uh, 
view or watch the show and take notes and see what's happening in the story. And then the writer takes the whole film <laughs> and just goes through and adds cues for the audio description narrator to read. And those are, as you said, those, uh, those visual elements or story elements that are happening visually, whether that's a title that appears on a page or a, a gesture that a character makes that has relevance to something that happens later. There's a, a sprawling view of a, a cityscape and it's at night. These kinds of things are something that may or may not be indicated by the audio, so that's something that the, the audio description writer can make sure is included. And again, it's usually between lines of dialogue. They do a pretty good job of that. From there, I believe there's a, a casting choice, and that's, as you had said, the, the appropriateness of the casting. A lot of companies do take terrible pains and considerations to figure out who's going to voice this project. And from there, it gets assigned to the voice talent, the narrator. After that, it's a scheduled appointment. In an ideal situation, there's a director, an engineer, and the voice talent who all collaborate together to get through the, the audio description script. And that includes the engineer making sure that the audio levels are good. You know, it's, if it's too close or if it's too far away, you know, they make sure that that's working, that the microphone placement is good, that the volume, as far as how loud the, the voice is coming through the mic, and also, you know, the mix, like how, how that's going to cut through whatever's happening in the actual film. There's also placement. You know, if I, in most of my scripts, I do have a sense of uh, timing through the script where it'll give me time code cues or audio cues to be able to follow along for when I, it's time for me to come in. But if I come in too soon, let's say for a gag or in a horror film, a surprise, then that's the, uh, the editor who's able to place that where it needs to go so that the audio description audience can have the same reaction at the same time as a, a sighted person. And from there, there's more engineering, and then there's the mix. It's that, that thing that we talked about with fiddling with the volume so that the audio description audience isn't constantly adjusting it, trying to fix it so that they can hear or not hear. You know, it's too much or too little. And then there's quality control, making sure that the character names were correctly named, that all these elements are there. From there, it gets sent off to distribution where, you know, I like to call it cinema to streaming. If it goes from a movie to a broadcast station or multiple streaming services does the audio description follow and then once it's on somewhere how do you turn it on is it an sap channel on the tv is it spectrum access which i'm a big fan of is it uh, a headset at the theater now that theaters are opening are they actually going to give you a headset is it going to be sanitized or is it going to be audio enhanced for you know people that can't hear well hopefully you'll get the audio description track and then there's the apps that you can use on your, your smartphone devices or even a streaming service on a, a box that's connected to your TV. And is that default set on? Do you have to turn it on each time? How do you do it? Do you start playing it and then toggle it on? These are all options that I think are part of the entire experience, the ecosystem of audio description, if I could say that. And it's every single one of these, James, any single one of them, if they're not given the care and attention that they deserve, the weakest link of any single one of them can absolutely ruin the experience for our audiences. So it's like game on. It's got to be like top of the top through each of them. And otherwise, something's got to be dropped. And it's so easy for something to be dropped. But the good news is that a lot of companies do care and they are putting their best out there. And 
the best keeps getting better, particularly when it comes to hiring uh, blind and low vision talents, both on the, the voice side and the engineering side, quality control and so on. It's really cool. How are audiences supposed to find audio descriptions? And what, what are the best ways to go about to guarantee that you'll be able to have an accessible viewing experience? Great question. Uh, one of the things that's best about finding audio description is that audiences don't have to be as Nancy Drew as they used to be. That, you know, now there's actually a little bit more availability of choice. It's getting there. It's not 100% there, but that kind of detective work that had to happen of, wait, how do I, what do I do? The, the work involved in even finding it. There's a great resource on the web, acb.org slash ADP. If you Google audio description project, the ACB has a, a webpage, the acb.org. It's acb.org slash ADP. And I don't know how they keep up with it. They've got a master list of close to 6,000 different audio description titles. And a title can be a series. So if a series has like 20, 100 episodes, that's considered one title. So that number is like exponentially expanded if you count the episodes. But it's, it's a really thorough list. You can break it down by the different streaming services, by the different broadcast uh, theatrical releases once uh, theaters continue to start opening up again. And uh, I think, what else? So it's streaming and it's television and and theatrical. I don't know if they're including some like of the national parks and stuff like that or not, but there's a lot of different opportunities there to go to. I love that site. I remember a personal experience I had. So I was in Los Angeles, right? It's, it's the cinema hub. It's mm -hmm. where everyone and anyone should have access to go see movies. <laughs> yes. So there I go. I go to Regal. I'm not afraid to call them out by name. <laughs> They they did this to me too many times. And I've, I've had some good experiences with Regal, but then I've had some not-so-good ones. And it really just comes down to the inconsistency of training and amount of hires, new hires and whatnot. But mm. regardless, I had just seen Deadpool. Had a great time. Saw it with audio descriptions on digital. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to go see uh, Deadpool 2 with some friends. So, with Deadpool 2, we're going to the theaters. So I'm like, great, I'll just ask for my audio description device. We show up a little bit early, so I can grab that. They guarantee me, yeah, you're all set to go. I get the little device, get the headphones. We head on up to the theater, and I only hear the movie through the headphones. Oh, the no. same sound that's coming out of the speaker. No, 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 no. And that's when it hit me. They gave me... A setting that's for people who are hard of hearing, which is great that that exists. But I had a white cane. I specifically said, hey, I'm visually impaired. I'm going to need audio descriptions, descriptive video. I even I said it both ways just to make sure it clicks. <laughs> sure. <laughs> nope, it didn't click. Oh, no. The worst part was hmm. the beginning of Deadpool 2 had a different language with subtitles. Mm -hmm. Which is part of the film was part of the the characters and the story i was completely lost i didn't know what was happening what was happening in this action comedic sequence hmm. and so i go down movie is still playing i'm missing part of the film now and i ask hey can, can can we fix this this isn't operating the way it should be 
I go back back upstairs all the way and 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 uh, keep in mind this movie theater is three stories. I have to like <laughs> go up two escalators and down two escalators just to get to customer service. Mm-hmm. No, still had enhanced audio. It just it didn't like they they just it's like they didn't know the difference between the two or mm-hmm. they didn't know there was two audio based settings, mm-hmm. and it was it was frustrating. I go one more time, one last time. They get a manager to take a look at it and try it. During like, the movie. Yeah, good to go now. Movie's still going. Oh, yeah. No, no, we're good 15, 20 minutes into the film now. My friends are still enjoying it. I'm like, I'm glad. Good for y'all. Wow. Please don't come. I don't want to ruin, you know, the uh, the experience for you guys. And, yeah, by the third time when it didn't work, I'm just like, I'm going to go down the street. I'm going to get some lunch. <sighs> Text me if you guys want anything. I'll see you after the film. Wow. I was just done at that point. I asked for a refund. I'm like... That was a, it was terrible. I'm like, why would anyone want to go to the movie theater? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's such a, I mean, one, it's a journey to get to it for most people, right? Mm-hmm. Most of us don't have a movie theater right down the street. I was a little bit more fortunate where I lived at the time. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. so it was three blocks away. But had it not been, I mean, I still would have wanted to go see a movie. I'd have to travel, public transit, figure out an Uber, Whatever. I'm investing time and money to go have this experience, and I'm an experience I'm willing to pay for. But if the theaters, if the the distributor in this case, doesn't provide equal access or proper training and awareness to their own staff on how people experience films differently, that's gonna just cause such a negative experience for me, and. Mm-hmm. I may not even just end up watching that film altogether. You know, I think when people have a bad time like that, there are some folks who just won't watch Deadpool 2 after, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just a reminder of of this time they had. And the irony is that, you know, there could have been a whole team of audio description experts that had worked on that. And that one dropped ball prevented your connection with your friends and like you said all that other work i mean it i wonder if there's ever going to be an opportunity for all the people to get refunds for not having audio description work that they could have like their own bitcoin version of uh in exchange because it seems like that's pretty sadly uh, something that i'm sure that's not the first time that's happened to you no it was not the first was not the last yeah and yeah, it, it it's it really does hurt. I mean, I'm not looking forward to going to the movies again. I know a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. I could care less, you yeah. know, with the uh, the current state of the industry. Yes, no, I don't want people to lose their jobs and stuff. And and you know, I want people to go have that experience that they want to have. Mm-hmm. But the movie theater experience, it's never meant a whole lot to me. Because I've never meant a whole lot to it. Wow. Plain and simple. Wow. So tell me a little bit, though, about this app you mentioned. It was called Spectrum Access. Spectrum Access, yeah. So I'm not... I've used it a few times, and I'm not a... I'm a big fan of it. I don't really have any stake in the game aside from the joy that I have talking about how they've, they've overcome so many obstacles. Many years ago, there was an app called ActiveView. And ActiveView was, I believe, an app you could download to your smartphone or other device. And it would 
listen to the audio of a TV show or a movie and correctly place the audio description with it so that that experience you had at Regal Theater of having to use another device that wasn't set up for you is kind of eliminated. ActiveView had some challenges when it came to the the legal, the distribution, the, the licensing. I'm not sure what it was, but they had everything right. But there was that, that one obstacle. And I believe that when Spectrum Access... And, you know, no shame to ActiveView. I think that they were incredible in everything that they did. That's not, that's not putting any blame at them. It's just the nature of the, the industry at that time. But when Spectrum Access bought it, Spectrum the company, they found a way over those hurdles. I don't know what those are, and I don't care. But all I know is I could download an app, and I don't have to give my email address. I'm sure they're tracking me somehow, right? But I don't have to log in. I don't have to pay a fee. I don't have to be a, a subscriber of Spectrum. And there's hundreds of different films, new releases, some old ones, TV shows, and same sort of thing. You can download the audio description tracks separately onto the device, your Android or iPhone. And then when, it lis- when you turn it on to listen to the audio of that content, it'll add the audio description, and it syncs it up. And my understanding is that if your group decides to pause the TV or step away or there's a commercial break that might be longer, that Spectrum Access deals with that. I'm not sure how clunky it is as far as the immersive experience of having to turn it on and download and such, but the hurdles that have been overcome to even allow that you can imagine it's like maybe somebody doesn't want to hear audio description and they can watch it with someone who does or vice versa. Or, you know, there's there's a bunch of different ways that this, this app just makes so much sense. And again, it's free. There's no login required. I don't know what motivation or, or good deeds, the, the good companiness of it is, but it, it seems legit. And I'm, like I said, I'm a big fan of, of all their efforts. I know Spectrum gets a lot of, you know, Heat, mm-hmm. nicest way to put it. It's a, you know, it's they're, they're providing heat. everyone with the bandwidth, and, and they're a company, sure, right? and a very capitalist society. <laughs> but it is really nice that this is something that's being offered mm-hmm. for not even just Spectrum customers, because I mean, where I am right now, Spectrum is not even in my area. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I can still enjoy the service is really great. In fact, Danny mentioned in our chat that. It's on Android as well now. So it's not just an iOS thing. Wonderful. Oh, that's, that's great That's really news. good to know. That's really good for other folks to know. Yeah. Spectrum Access, download it. Give it a try if you're not already. I've, I've been able to play with it a little bit, and it's, it's really cool, especially when you're watching something that does have descriptions out there somewhere in the void, the database cloud of descriptions <laughs> yeah. that Spectrum has access to. It's really great for that when you're using a platform that doesn't have descriptions or for that specific title. Because that's another thing is I'll go on Netflix. Netflix has been great with descriptions, Mm -hmm. especially for all of their original content. But then when I want to watch like this classic film or something, suddenly they're just like they never bothered to get it. Mm. Yeah, and it's this is such a, a really fascinating time. A lot of people call it the Wild West of the 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 chaos of audio description like you said there's a lot of titles that people want to connect to and it seems like some are being done some aren't there's choices being made of course but 
One of the things I'm really excited about, and I think Spectrum Access is one among many of the the good things that are happening in this Wild West, is that companies are starting to recognize the value of what, like the 36, 37 million blind and low vision Americans, and then internationally, it's I think 250 million. That this is this is a market share, and this is representation. And when it comes to accessibility, there's a there's definitely a drive, the good-hearted drive and the, the like, you should be doing this sort of attitude, like enough with the ableism that, you know, there's a lot of disabled people that enjoy content and let's, let's make sure that they can have access to it. But I also think that there's a, there's a value of the, the bottom line in the sense of, hey, this is, these are subscribers that we're, that we could, that we could cater to and treat our disabled fans and our disabled audiences with the respect that they deserve and and let's get some more subscribers i'm wondering about that aspect that there could be a financial motivator to to have this be done and maybe there's a curb effect for sighted people people talk about whether they're commuting in their cars or you know working around their house maybe they're cooking there's a there's access to the content if there's other kinds of disabilities that might be getting in the way of understanding what's happening that audio description can fill in those blanks i've found that i don't know certain characters names that's something that i've always had a problem with and the cool thing about audio description when i have it on is i'm a sighted person so i'm able to turn on audio description and also recognize oh that's that character's name and so i can get up to speed with the other people that seem to be able to remember character names all the time. So there's a lot of benefits to audio description in addition to the uh, sighted and blind community of audiences and how great that, you know, after sighted people staring at screens, Zoom screens all day can take a break and still have an entertainment experience. I recall having a roommate, I want to say it was about three years ago, quite a character. Oh, yeah? I, I won't say any more than that, <laughs> but he liked keeping up with his Netflix shows while driving Orange is the New Black or uh, what's that? Oh, man, man, the one the one with the kids and the mysteries in the 80s. I think that's uh, Stranger Things. Is that it? Stranger Things. <laughs> I want to get so much flack for that. <laughs> Stranger Things. But, but he needed to be caught up on all that. But he was also driving a lot. Okay. He was in his car often. He was doing ride sharing. Mm-hmm. And like driving for rideshare companies. Oh wow. He wasn't watching the movie when there was a passenger <laughs> in the car, but he did make a habit of just having Netflix on his dashboard while he's driving. Hmm. And I'm like, how is that not the most distracting thing in the world? <laughs> well, texting was bad while driving, but watching a, f- a film? You're trying to, you know. Get all the details too. Yeah, uh, I made a, a video called "How to Watch Netflix While Driving." <laughs> it's just in response awesome. to that. I just sent it to him one morning. Uh-huh. Like, hey, I made this video last night. It's live on my YouTube. You should watch it. And it's literally about <laughs> audio descriptions and the universal benefits of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, no one should be watching stuff and, and driving. Just. Period. And if he happens to be watching this, hi, hello, or listening in, in the podcast version. That's when it really clicked for me. I'm like, okay, well, sighted people obviously are trying to multitask. They're trying to do multiple things. Could be working out, cleaning, working, right? Just, just whether it's at work or just doing homework or something, mm-hmm. you might want that white noise or that other 
media, whether it's music or podcast or audiobook, maybe it's an audio-described film. You might want that experience to occupy that other part of your brain, mm-hmm. which is fair. Yeah. Your eyes shouldn't be off of whatever you're doing, whatever else. You know, that's one of the benefits <laughs> maybe you. of being sighted is, yeah, you can visually multitask with one thing while using your ears for another. It doesn't have your full attention, for sure, but at least, you know, you can intake two things at once. There is a really good benefit for audio descriptions being available and not being gatekeeped by blind and low vision. So not being just solely used and promoted for blind low vision people. Obviously, like, it's the intended audience, like closed captions for deaf and hard of hearing. But as we know, there are so many more benefits to it. Mm-hmm. People who cognitively just follow along with written text, with, with uh, spoken word. Or people who aren't native English speakers or of that language that the content is in. Thinking about the curb effect, James, it's like those cutouts at intersections are meant for wheelchair users. And, you know, I see a parent pushing their stroller. They're using that curb effect. They're getting the benefits. I I can walk, and when I walk, I use those too. So the I think about the necessity of the curb and the access that it provides and how other people are benefiting from it. And I think there's a parallel there to audio description in the sense that you've mentioned. One of the things I'm fascinated by is this clubhouse. And unfortunately, that I at this point, I think it's still iOS. I hate being so iOS-centric yeah, here. But just talking about it within that context is that Clubhouse is audio only and I can't wait for one of these companies that release their next season of their top rated show a day early on Clubhouse. And the question is going to be, well, they can't do that. Like, well, <laughs> it's what if? What if they launch a day early on Clubhouse and the exposure that they could get by taking advantage of this new cool, you know, social media app that's only audio. And it's like, how do you do that with no, you know, how do you watch a show on Clubhouse? Well, dot, dot, dot. Exactly. Audio descriptions. A radio drama. That's all it is. Yeah, right? Let's bring that back. Yeah. I mean, that's really what we're doing. That's what those, there's so many podcasts out there that are narrative driven. They're stories. Another application use for audio descriptions that I've personally promoted Mm -hmm. that I think isn't even like realized by many people for journalists and for media at these events that are like presentations. For example, I, I tend to go to these Apple events or E3 and Apple has begun providing audio descriptions a few other companies too, which is great, especially now that it's digital only because current state of things. But back when it was in person, you could request audio descriptions and they had mm-hmm. a live describer. Mm-hmm. How great is that when you're trying to tweet, live tweet everything, send notes back to your boss at wow. headquarters or, or, or you're working on your – yeah, you're announcing the next price of the iPhone. Mm-hmm. You can hear all of it, and you can have everything described, like the colors or all the text that's on their slides up on the uh, the keynote. Audio descriptions pretty much made it so easy for me to be able to live tweet and watch <laughs> the presentation at the same time. Very so, I, cool. like every time before Apple events, I've literally just tried to shoot it out to the network. Anyone within 
my tech network of folks or even that hashtag, right, that Apple uses for their events, mm -hmm. but whatever it might be, I'm just like tech people, audio descriptions real fast. It's a thing. You can toggle it on. Here's how. <laughs> and you'll have the best, most productive time of your life at your job. <laughs> yes. Make it a race. Who knows? Yeah. I want to move a little bit over to this article that came out, and I sent this to you a little uh, little time back. There was an investigation in Sweden over the course of like six months, and they found that narrators of audiobooks for visually impaired and people who, you know, just were blind and requested these these books, they found that narrators were falling asleep, oftentimes mispronouncing and, and replacing words and. In some cases, they were missing entire chapters. <laughs> so Vice did this whole report on it, and, and multiple other outlets investigated. But did you have time to like look at this? And, and if so, what were your thoughts around this whole story? Well, the first thing is, I think awareness of this work is going to wake up not only the audiences and the creators, but also the crew. It's, it's like... It would be ridiculous if on your film set, the boom mic operator fell asleep while recording a scene. That's absurd. And the idea that I don't know the context, but just based on the source material that, you know, you shared, it's pretty clear that that kind of care, excuse me, it's pretty clear that that kind of care wasn't brought to the work. In the same way that I thought I turned my phone on and it just went off during this interview. It's like, where's the quality control in that? So, like, let's let's pivot back to the article. It's I think the absurdity of these kinds of errors are showing that our focus let's let's jump to audio description. It's gotta be beyond just checking the box. As far as those Swedish audiobook narrators for blind and low vision people were concerned they did the book. Yeah, so there was somebody snoring, and so you didn't get the entire experience. You missed a chapter. Some of the characters' names weren't there, and some of the... But you know what? We did it. You said you wanted a book in an audio form. You got it. Check. And that, I think, is insulting. Maybe it's time to shift the focus here from looking at audio description as a, a service, but also a professional endeavor in the same way that I'm imagining, James, that if anybody fell asleep on your set, that that would not necessarily be someone who would be coming back if they didn't immediately apologize. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad example of sleeping, but it's let's treat this for the vision that it could be, the creative vision that this work can be, whether it's an audiobook or it's an audio description track. And, you know, I, I think this is a good... If I could... Can I continue my rant here? Yeah. When I think about audio description currently that there is an assumption from not all but it's out there that well, it's not that much it doesn't cost that much as if that's an incentive and while i appreciate the truth of that the value of how much is it tells me that your value not you tells me that the value is placed on how cheap it can be because if it doesn't cost a lot then there's this assumption that you're going to get more and i think that that message of you can either have more or you can have it better is a completely manufactured, false, discriminatory question. 
that if I were to go to you and say, James, do you want Deadpool 2 or do you want Stranger Things to have audio description? A sighted audience would never put up with that. There's no way. And how dare people approach this question of, well, you know, we, we just want to see how, how cheap we can make it. We can save some money here. Let's pivot that. Instead of saying how cheap can it be, let's talk about how great can it be. And let's value the greatness that these writers are putting into it, that the engineers put into it. Again, I'm an advocate for nothing about us without us when it comes to blind participation. This work was created by blind people for blind people, and sighted people are coming in and saying we can do it. And that's maybe true. But as more blind professionals, people who are practiced, who understand this work, are involved in the engineering, in the writing, in the editing, in the, in the mix, in the voicing. All of these roles, when done by professional blind talents, make the work better. And should these people be paid less for the work that they're doing because it's a service? I'm going to argue no. And I think that as the shifts from valuing cheapness, in other words, you know, look at how inexpensive it is, to isn't this great that I had an immersive experience and it checked all my boxes of quality? I, I think that conversation can start to change. And it's a hard one because of all the, you know, the, the last 10, 20, 30 years of not having access, that there is a fear of, well, if we push it, we're not going to get it. And we're going to, we just won't get it anymore. And I respect that. I understand that fear. It's a legit fear. But this kind of gratitude, well, at least we have it, isn't really good enough. If we could pivot back to the curb effect that when wheelchair users demanded the curb cutouts on sidewalks, they didn't end up with plywood with a few rusty nails holding it in place that breaks every three days. There was a respect for what this curb could be, and I think that audio description can be the same. That's the end of my rant. I love that. And you brought up good points about the quality and preserving that quality and how blind people are important for that role are able to serve in the creation and in the preservation of that quality. Could you give me some insight on the current efforts within the industry to collaborate with the blind community or blind professionals in creating new description tracks? I think there's a, there's a few anecdotal instances. I don't have any research and facts and we're working on that. So this is all you know, very, you know, direct experience, and that's it. This is not the global experience. Here's what I'm noticing. There's a group on Facebook called the Audio Description Discussion, and there's maybe 1,000, 1,100 people there that are both audience members of Audio Description, creators of Audio Description, and content creators who hire the creators of Audio Description. It's a, it's a wide-ranging group of sighted and blind and low-vision people, and very lively conversations. Not everybody agrees. There's a lot of very challenging and nuanced discussions that are happening. But within that group, there's a lot of encouragement and support of making sure that those names are recognized who are blind, who are working in this, and because of the value it brings as well, in the sense that in a sighted world, there's a lot of barriers that sighted people put in the way of blind people. It just is the ableist world and being able to navigate that. And 
I'm not sure if overcome is the right word, but it's solve the problems that are put in front of blind and low vision people. That there's got to be resourcefulness. You got to figure it out, and you got to be up to speed. And those skills are essential for audio description. It's like a really good match. It's the soft skills. It's about making sure that when we talk about audio description being great, blind people know what greatness is when it comes to this kind of work. They, as an audience member, as experiencing it, that as a sighted person, I put on a blindfold for an hour. That's not going to be the same experience as a blind person. It, the sighted people think that's enough, but it's not. There's differences. I can't put myself in that position by putting a blindfold over my eyes. So hiring blind people has its benefits on the quality side. And there's also the, I think, the the advocacy of making sure that when we look at the unemployment rate of, what, seven out of 10 blind, low vision people are unemployed, that that's absurd. And yet, not that audio description is going to solve the entire employment opportunities, but let's model and let's illustrate how this value of blind people, professionals, how blind professionals being involved in this work makes the work better and how that can have a ripple effect into other industries and take away some of this false stigma of how hard it is to work, but how much better the work is. I don't know. That's uh, that's the top of my head answer. No, I, I like that. It's nothing about us without us. And that goes back into so many different industries. But I think it's an, it's it's integral to that whole process. There was a a woman who I met in Turkey and a whole documentary that we have available with audio descriptions too, which is really cool. It's called Blind Abroad Istanbul. And part of that though was the rollout for accessible audio dis- dis- uh, description distribution. Right before the pandemic, they, they, they released this app, and this was backed by Turkcell. And it was headed by a woman who was blind. And and she was in a marketing pretty high position at Turkcell. Turkcell is like one of the largest cell, cell phone mobile carrier providers mm-hmm. in Turkey. So just for context there. Mm-hmm. But much like what Spectrum is doing here in the U.S. with Spectrum Access and really continuing where ActiveView started the apps that they're working on a lot of it is accessibility focused and they're free from my understanding so anyone who's blind in turkey could go to the theater boot up their Turkcell accessibility app and just be able to access audio descriptions in turkish wow from a wide range of selection but mm. not just at the theater right this is something you can access at home in your home theater, in in your bed, when you're trying to just watch from your laptop, all it has to do is let the phone listen to hmm. the film and it just syncs it up. Wow. It's really cool. Nice. And again, it just kind of goes back into that, like, Turkcell has this amazing employee who happens to be blind and really helped to roll out this real seamless way for blind community in Turkey to enjoy films and cinema. Mm-hmm. So I love that. That's great. And, and that's all available it's on YouTube, blindabroad.com as well. Uh, but it's a little documentary I put together 
about my journey to Turkey and meeting the folks at Turkcell and these kids who were experiencing descriptions for the first time. I wanted to sort of end this by you talking about this effort being made. And, and that is to bring more awareness to audio descriptions. You've had a little bit of uh, a role in helping to make this happen. And there's also been others too, to, to really help sighted audiences and even blind folks who may just not be aware of this because it's just, it happens. I mean, I went 18, 19 <laughs> years of my life without knowing that, oh, I could probably enjoy movies the same way that everyone else could. Mm. Audio Description Awareness Day. It's happening today, and it's happening throughout the month, right? It's the second annual one. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, how people can be involved? Let's take just a, a very quick step back and talk about the Audio Description Network Alliance, which is both a podcast of professionals in audio description, both sighted and blind, but it's also a, a database, like an internet movie database of audio description, so that if people search for a certain show, they can find out who voiced it, or if they like a certain voice, they can find what other shows that that person has voiced. And it's publicly contributed through other blind audiences, so titles that already are out there. It's, it's essentially crowdsourced, but the podcast... And that database of the uh, professionals who work in it was the initial effort for floating, you know, like, let's, let's float this balloon and see where it goes. In other words, do audiences care about this kind of stuff? And I think one of the important parts of that was pivoting from this catch-all watered-down word describer. Go, he's a describer. Well, I'm, I'm a voice talent that reads a script that was written for me by an audio description writer. Those are two roles among the, the six or seven that I've already mentioned in helping educate both the entertainment industry and maybe even the audience about the various different compartments, <laughs> I guess compartments or aspects of audio description. And that led to Audio Description Awareness Day in the sense that it seemed like when people, I'm a part of the, the Television Academy, the Primetime Emmys, and there's a peer group called the Performers Peer Group. And sometimes there'd be a celeb celebratory party where everyone just celebrates the Emmys. And when I met a producer and they asked what I did, if I said audio description, James, inevitably, people would lean forward. And it was like, what? Do you mean that my show is accessible to blind people? Blind people watch movies? My people watch TV shows? In this context, because of the Emmys. But it was, it was this engagement and the gestures, the, in, the way that they were speaking, they were lit up about it. There was something that was new and exciting. And that told me that our barriers aren't resistance. It's just knowledge and education. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's talk about awareness. Let's become aware of it. Let's just start the conversation and see what happens. And the first annual audio description day was also the audio description awareness day challenge, which the idea was let's engage and talk about audio description. So this year we figured it out and we is bold blind beauty. That's Stephanie McCoy and Juan Alcazar and uh, myself. We've come up with this audio description awareness day being today. April 16th. We chose it because it'd be the day after taxes, even though this year taxes are going to be due later. But it's okay. We've got all the taxes done. Let's watch some movies. And what does that mean? Well, the challenge is to 
find a friend to watch a show that has audio description and then share your experience on social media. And we've got some hashtags. You can uh, read about it at boldblindbeauty.com slash tada, T-A-D-A for the audio description awareness. And then we add the word challenge afterward. But the idea is here's this way that we can engage with others. And the we is global we. It's blind people. It's sighted people. People who are aware of audio description. People who might not be aware of audio description. And in our (laughs) behind-the-scenes scheming of of the rules we wanted to make it simple we wanted today to be the launch of it so it's not like you have what eight more hours to figure out what show you're gonna watch and hurry up and get it done we wanted it to kind of grow and see how the rest of the month can go so happy audio description awareness day day james and let's do a challenge it's like how about i'm gonna challenge a friend to to watch a certain show and we're gonna engage on social media and talk about it and here's where the exciting thing happens If it's a sighted person or a blind person who's unaware of it, my guess is that there might be some obstacles. Like, wait, how do I turn this on? Wait, how do I, how does this work? And all of a sudden there's this engagement, this connection of experiencing what it's like. It's not just talk now. It's not this abstract, but they're living through it. And what's the experience like? As a sighted person, my first experience with audio description was jarring in the sense that it was... I was seeing what I was hearing, and that felt like redundant. It felt too much like an experiential echo, but I really got used to it fast. And then all of a sudden, I saw the benefit of it, and it happened to be a really great voice, and she was just nailing it. She just, she was in the zone, and it was like, oh my gosh, I get it now. And that kind of awareness is what we're trying to engage with the Audio Description Awareness Day and the Audio Description Awareness Challenge. And again, if you go to Bold Blind Beauty, dot com slash t-a-d-a there's all sorts of resources there the hashtags are there so other people who are doing this can connect and watch we want to support each other we don't want the challenges to be barriers like haha you can't do it but we want to say here's how you do it here's how here's how it works and what was your experience like was it positive did you get something out of it that you thought you would let's engage our entire community both the entertainment industry the blind and sighted community and even the sighted audiences at large on what this means how's that it's awesome thank you for sharing that and i hope that anyone who is listening to this can also partake that's the that's the goal i can share something i've been watching with all the descriptions of course with most things sure down to earth starring zach efron hmm and it's on Netflix. It's a fun travel series, but also like tries to give a little bit of insight into how to keep our planet sustainable. You know, learning about what other countries are doing with renewable energies, with just better living habits, what we eat, what we're intaking, and just being mindful of that. So, wow, down Very to earth cool. with Zac Efron. There we go. It's on Netflix. If you were to give any tips to any people watching who who might make content themselves, Hmm. just by themselves, to be a little bit more descriptive, yeah, Yeah. add descriptions. (laughs) Where maybe audio descriptions as what we're talking about, you know, this this SAP track, this the second option to turn on, may not be available. YouTube. So you're just uploading a YouTube video. How could people be just a little bit more descriptive and mindful of how other people are intaking their videos or or just content in general? 
That's a great, great question. I think there's a the creativity of the entertainment industry has always been such a great excitement. And I think specifically with the goal of audio description, which is to provide access to the visuals, that if that's considered ahead of time, one of my, oh gosh, I wish I remembered the source of this, so forgive me for not naming her directly, but she was speaking about audio description in the sense of being created as the film's being done. So, for example, if the scene is a, a woman walking down the beach, the audio description would say, she walks down the beach. I'm not a writer, whatever. She walks down the beach. Or what if the since she's walking down the beach, if there were some waves there, if there was a seagull, that that's probably all you need to know that she's walking along the beach, that those audio cues would give access to the visuals. And by thinking outside that kind of limitation in the creation of the audio, of, in the creation of the actual content, that that's going to save one line of audio description. Now, obviously, you can't do everything. There, there's going to be some stuff that, that needs some audio description, but when that need comes up, there's some really great resources there too. If someone's creating their own content, I believe on a Chrome browser, there's something called You Describe. I think it's youdescribe.org. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's basically any person who wants to have a YouTube video with audio description, they upload it to this site and people can create audio description for it. And I think it's a great opportunity for people to practice uh, writing and voicing or both audio description. I think it's a great way to bring access to these contents in the same way that it's like someone shares a meme and it's what's what's happening in this meme. Can someone please describe this meme so I can be a part of the joke here <laughs> or whatever, you know, it's like getting access to these things. Those, I think just researching and being aware that it exists is a great first step and see how that can apply to the content creator and find out the different opportunities to, to be a part of it. I'm assuming that most people who create content also do research on what kind of camera they're going to be filming or in what kind of microphone that they're going to use to record and what kind of set pieces, if they have any, like literal set pieces, <laughs> like what, what's it going to look like? What's the background? That these are considerations that are given in a film's pre-budget consideration and audio description being a part of that seems like a great time to start thinking about that and include that in the consideration. So it is youdescribe.org. Oh, nice. Okay. I decided to take a quick look as well. Yeah. Two of my videos are described on here. I've never experienced these. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow, that's so cool, James. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm able to plug the desktop audio and experience this now, but <laughs> if they're still up there, youdescribe.org, if you just type in James Rath, two of my videos are on here. Dude, that's They've been so described cool. by volunteers. Wow. Yeah. There's like Sunu Smartband, which is like this tech-related video I, I made in partnership with Sunu. Was it 2018? Yeah. Blind Gamer Experiences E3 2018. I'm curious to go back and, and, and listen to those. Just yeah. hear how people would describe how I filmed that. Huh. So I'm definitely going to check that out. But yeah, youdescribe.org. If you're wanting to just maybe practice on some other people's <laughs> videos and mm -hmm. look at best practices as well, that may help for them when you go to create your own content and you're trying to be as descriptive as possible. 
because that's a great way to go about it, right? The, the one thing is people watch YouTube videos without looking. People either just put in another tab, just listen in, mm -hmm. or for me, I know I don't watch YouTube videos on mobile. I can't really see the screen. Mm. <laughs> and so I use YouTube Premium, which lets me just lock my phone and listen uh. to any videos that I hit play on. Mm. And when creators are a little bit more descriptive, I get all the detail, hmm. most of it. Mm -hmm. When they're not, I, I may just click the little fast forward and or next <laughs> button and just let YouTube you're recommend out. the next thing to me. Yeah, you're out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh -huh. That that impacts your watch time mm -hmm. and all that, all those metrics. Yeah. But Roy, thank you so much for having this conversation, sharing some insight into that industry. Where could people either find you, find your work, or anything else you really want to plug? Really appreciate this opportunity, James. Thanks for the conversation. Let's go back over a few things. The Audio Description Project, if you Google it, or acb.org slash ADP. They have tremendous content of not only the shows, but also different training experiences that you can get. There's on the Facebook group, Audio Description Discussion. That's where all those other conversations are going. On Twitter, I'm at Roy Samuelson, all one word. And Facebook is Roy Samuelson Biz. And uh, I do have a website, RoySamuelson.com. But I'd love to plug the ADNA.org. That's T-H-E-A-D-N-A. And that stands for Audio Description Network Alliance. The podcast Know Your Narrator is uh, poorly titled because it's more than just narrators. It's the engineers and the writers and the advocates and the people that really care about audio description. And it's a, it's a master class in uh, professionals, both blind and sighted. If you Google Know Your Narrator, it's on most all the podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The C Different Show. Be sure to follow Roy. His social links and website will be included in the description of this podcast, as well as follow at C Different Co on Twitter and Instagram. And you can visit us at cdifferent.co. Or if you want to see the store and support us there, cdifferent.store. You can follow me on social media at James Rath and youtube.com forward slash James Rath. Check out videos and highlights from this podcast. I hope you could see different today. Stay safe and take care.